Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. All right, podcasting. Um, I just recorded an episode with somebody and I was like, I feel like we've been Instagram fangirling each other, but that was like a more like abortion world person. I feel the same way with you, but I'm like, I've been LCS fangirling you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Ditto. It's, It's a reciprocal relationship. It's so good. So today's guest is Danielle Savory. I'm going to let her introduce herself, but um, Danielle is a life coach school coach, as am I, and her work is around, uh, excuse me, I need a drink of water. Um, Her work is around sex and pleasure and finding your womanhood and your confidence and all the juicy, yummy things. So I've been watching her work for a while. And then I think I reached out to you like, we don't actually know each other, but we kind of know each other. Want to make a podcast with me? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, yes, please. <laughs> yes, please. So I'll let you start by introducing yourself in the way that feels right to you today for this audience. Yeah. Yeah. So you actually don't know this, but I'm not an LCS coach. I'm just in the coaching you, I wish world. you guys could see my jaw drop. <laughs> uh, why yeah. did I just assume that? Why have I thought that the whole time? I don't, well, because I think there's a lot of coaches in LCS world that know me and they talk about me. And so it seems like I'm part of that crew. I'm actually not. So there's. <laughs> I literally, oh. now I'm like, maybe I should share the video of this podcast recording because you should have <laughs> just seen my jaw drop. <laughs> I was like, what? But you're in all the places that I'm the LCS in all the places. Are. I'm very much mindset focused. You know, I yeah. mean, I have like, I'm a master certified coach, but it's just, there's multiple different lineages. And I've been, I was introduced to Brooke's work uh, really early, you know, when she first came out with her podcast. So it's always influenced and impacted my work a lot. And it's, but I'm not. That's so amazing. I love it. Yeah. Well, that's the beautiful thing about coaching too, is like, it doesn't really matter. It's just like that happens to be where I found you is like referrals from a million LCS people, but yeah, doesn't mean yeah. Yeah. So I'm a Martha Beck. So I come from Martha Beck and she, you know, she was the original coach of Brooke. So a lot of that stuff is very similar. So anyway, yes, I'm a master certified life coach. I specialize in women's sexuality. And, you know, I think a lot of people are like, what does that even mean? And for me, what it means, because there's a lot of different types of sex coaches out there. And, you know, when it comes to sex coaching, we can focus on the mind, we can focus on the body, we can focus on somatics and trauma. And there's so many different areas, you know, opening the inner goddess feminine desire and yoni eggs and like there's there's a huge wide range uh for me because my background is in neuroscience I really like more of the language of 
science and the Mm. brain. Mm -hmm. And that is the language that resonated with me when I first found coaching, when I found mindfulness, when I found meditation, it wasn't so much about the woo-woo, which I love. And I love to practice, you know, certain aspects of that on my own, but my coaching language is very uh, rooted in understanding the brain, even when it comes to us being able to have that mind-body connection and being able to offer ourselves self-compassion. My clients tend to be high-achieving women, smart women, women who are in their heads a lot, going after the big goals and helping them reconnect with their body. I think we Mm. all need help with this in this society. We're on this like, you know, constant interaction of things being thrown at us all the time and learning how to come back into our body, learning how to be in our body in a loving and compassionate way, and then really rewiring the, the socialization that we've had around our sexuality in such a way that it feels liberating and pleasure can be accessible to us because so much of what we are taught doesn't even let pleasure and sex kind of mingle together, mm. let alone um, give us an opportunity to really like own it for ourselves and experience it for ourselves. So it's really helping rewire the brain and also the nervous system to help experience just more delight in pleasure in the bedroom. And then that of course bleeds out to all the other areas. I just took so many notes. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. That's a great place to start our podcast. Oh my gosh. Okay. So whenever anyone's talking about the work that they do, I'm always filtering it. Like, how does this apply to my audience? How does this apply to my people? Um, and everything you said was just like, oh, ah, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. um, I'll just spout off some of the things, maybe just, or maybe just take them one at a time. In terms of the neuroscience and the mind body connection, mm-hmm. um, when we have abortions, right, we're moving through this very hormonal experience right like we're moving through this like physiological also mental emotional spiritual experience Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so there are other things that that you could say do the same thing right it's not just abortion postpartum um after miscarriage loss like all kinds of things affect our hormones and our physiological experience what is happening to my people after they go through something like an abortion that's like scientifically affecting their um, desire for pleasure, their connection to pleasure, their mind-body connection? Yeah, well, I think that there's, you know, there's a number of different layers and I don't want to speak to this like at at an expert level, but to the breadth of my own understanding. Yeah. And so me personally, I've had two DNCs. These were, um, you know, like they're, they're different than abortions. This was a planned pregnancy that I lost like second trimester sort of thing. And so I know for me that mm. for you know that hormonal and that it, it, it there's a lot of similarities right yeah, in those experiences. Yeah. And so yes like our hormones are affected by age they're affected by 
abortion. They're affected by, you know, medications that were on miscarriages, pregnancy, postpartum, all of these things that you said. And that is going to affect, um, you know, when you think about our teenage years and those hormones are like really juicy and they have that, you know, impact to like turn us on or during your cycle, during ovulation, you might notice like a little whisper of like, Ooh, let's get our sexy on sort of thing. Like you, you can feel that difference, yeah. right? Those are the hormones going through our body that are like, Hey, like maybe sex is a great idea. That being said, all of those things are definitely in play and hormones do have an impact on our libido. But the way that I feel like the medical world talks about it is like, that is the only thing that affects our libido. Right. And that is the main thing that we need to fix if we have you know, quote unquote, low libido or low drive. And when you dive into the research and when you talk to experts who have really studied this, like they have found that hormones will impact the sex drive, but the, the extent to which they do is not as much as what they allude to. And really what is lacking in our understanding mm. of women's sexual pleasure and sexual drive is really just this focus, you know, on hormones. Let's be able to explain it. Let's be able to give it a pill. Let's be able to all of these sorts of things. And what we're not paying attention to is really the impact of us being a woman in this world, the psychological effects of it, the way that we have been wired in so many ways. And when you understand that part of the mind-body connection, you know, when you understand that sexuality hasn't really ever been introduced to us as a, something for us to own, you know, it's rather objects of pleasure or objects of desire rather than ours, you can see all these other ways that we are consistently blocking ourselves. And I say ourselves, it's not your fault, but we can yeah, <laughs> then yeah, understand yeah. and we see, right? But it's what's going on in our brain that are going to have a much different impact. So when I've worked with clients who, let's say they have gone through menopause, or I've worked with clients who you know, have maybe uh, early onset menopause because of going through breast cancer treatment and all of the things related to cancer and those kind of, you know, things that their bodies experience going through, you know, early menopause um, forced by the medic medicine that they took. Um, they are still able to feel that drive and that libido again. So if we're paying attention to what's going on, like how is that possible? Their hormones, like we yeah. can supplement some part. Yeah. So how is it possible that they can recapture that same libido of their youth or premenopausal if it was completely hormones? And when we really start to understand our the way that what we're thinking, what's going on in our brain impacts our nervous system. We can work with our nervous system and our brain in such a way that desire is completely in your control mm. to, to influence more, to have a greater impact on. And, you know, I noticed for me too, obviously, like my cycles of my hormones throughout the month, there are certain times I'm still more irritable, you know, or I might have an easier time getting to desire, but it doesn't mean that it's impossible or out of reach yes. during the other times, right? We just might have to put a bit more effort into our mind-body connection and our thought work during those periods. I love that. The note I just wrote down is like, the science is important and you're still in control. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's important to like honor it and understand that it's playing a factor and it's okay that maybe after an abortion, your libido is not high. It's also okay if after an abortion, it is high, right? Yeah. Um, so recognizing it as a part of the experience, but not the experience itself. Right. Right. What we experience, right. is how we're relating to it, you know, um, working with clients that have different types of, you know, vaginal pain or chronic pain or, you know, things like, it's like, it doesn't, we're not saying that these things aren't there, that they don't exist, but we forget how much more impact we can have over our experience by the way we are relating to what has happened and the way we're relating to our body and the way we're relating to ourselves as a sexual being is going to catapult your desire and just your experience of pleasure uh, way more than we give credit for. Yeah. Okay. Another thing you said earlier was, um, you know, you talked about being in our heads and coming mm-hmm. back to our body. And mm-hmm. so many of the people who come to me, um, I don't know, you know, I think we all think the thing that we do is unique and different. And at the same time, it's all the same as everything else. It's like super yeah. unique and not unique at all. <laughs> right, right. But there's a thing with abortion. Um, I think it's very easy to get in your head because of the way it's all over the news, all over the media, so stigmatized and at the same time, not talked about at all. Mm -hmm. So it's very easy to just be all in your head, all in your head. Um, You use the word self-compassion right before you talked about in our heads. And I think that is one of the ways to, to get out of the mind drama and the spin and the spiral. But a lot of the people listening to this right now are all in their heads. So mm-hmm. like, I want to hear what you have to say about the head and the yeah. body and like coming back down. Well, one of the things I like to think about is when we are going to our head to understand, I, th- I, I think we have to start the outermost layer with compassion, right? Because I think people know they shouldn't be in their heads, right? No, they quote unquote shouldn't, should be in their bodies. And so even noticing you're spinning in your head can create a judgment on yourself and understanding that this is just actually a defense mechanism of the brain and the body. It's safer for us to decoy, which is like what I like to think about by hanging out in the head, because if we hang out like the, like the brain is freaked out. It's like, I don't know you know, and especially when we've had, you know, these experiences in our body, these types of traumas to our body, these, you know, things that are so emotionally heavy and laden plus physical, you know, disruption in our bodies, it can feel like a very unsafe spot. It's like, oh my gosh, the brain's like, I don't want to go there. That's like the deep, dark alley corner, right? I'm going to do anything to keep us out. And when we're spinning in our head with those anxious thoughts, that's super intriguing to the brain. The brain's like, ooh, look at all these thoughts. This is really fun. Like, let's think about how we suck at life and we're not worthy and we're never going to be loved again. And da, 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 da. (laughs) You know, masochistic as that sounds, like the brain is really like all about like distracting you from actually landing in your body because it's so afraid of what it might find. And so 
doing this obsessive kind of thinking and spinning and thoughts is again, just the brain's mechanism to like really keep you there. And understanding that like there's certain, certain amounts of dissociation that have helped us heal, that have helped us mm. move on. Right. And that there's a certain point where it's like, okay, that was really helpful. Maybe during when I was going through something really painful, but now it's time to come back. And, you know, I understand you're keeping me safe, but also let's go back. And during my meditation this morning, I had this thought about like, um, our thoughts, right. You know, and how we can use our thoughts for our benefit or they can we can use them <laughs> not but that we don't need to identify with them you know and I think that's something that we really do a lot is like we identify so heavily with the thoughts good ones or bad ones they can be used as a tool that is creating more shame and more harm or they could be used as a tool to create more love and more connection regardless there's still thoughts and we don't need to identify with them and when we start yeah. to see that we can really start to just be more with our body and be more with our compassion and just see these as like, you know, schools of fish, like swimming through the ocean back and forth in our brain. And we're, we're the holder of the ocean. We're like watching everything going on in there. And I, you know, so I think that that compassion has to start at this outermost layer of like, of course, my brain is spinning with thoughts. Like, of course, it's yes. trying to keep me safe it hears all these messages out there it's like oh woman like of course I'm spinning right now yeah. but I'm learning how to come back to my body I'm learning to remember that this is actually a safe and safe place to land and it can be a refuge for me I might not be there yet but I'm learning yeah. how yeah yeah um I was speaking with someone last night who this year lost her husband uh to cancer and in our conversation, it became clear pretty quickly, kind of what you're talking about, like her brain was just filled with so much mind drama yeah. and it was a survival strategy for her. And I said, it's okay. Like, you don't have to change that. Just be aware yeah. of it. Just notice yeah. it like, oh, that's happening again. Right. Yeah. I'm all up in my head so that I don't have to feel. And right. so even if you want to just be aware of it and not do anything about it, that's an yeah. amazing place to be. It's just yeah. to have that awareness and let it be. And you'll know when you're supposed to do something about it, Yeah, but you have to be aware first. Exactly. So, and I, mean, I would say even that part of like the awareness is the doing. Yeah. Right. And that that's is true. like an action. It, it is actually a doing, you yeah. know, because the minute you come out from being those like school of fish that I was talking about yeah. and watching them, you have done something differently. Yeah. You haven't identified anymore with all of these thoughts and this is reality and this is truth and this is who I am. This is my self-concept. Like you have been able to now you know, elevate into this observer position. And that is doing something. And even if that's where you stay forever, that is going to be a more peaceful place than being the swimming fish. Yeah, totally, totally. And, you know, when we perceive abortion as a loss, which not everybody does, some people yeah. just have abortions and they go about their life. They don't never think about it again. 
but many of us perceive it as a loss, a loss of identity, a loss of a child, a loss of something. Um, mm -hmm. And that's when that survival brain with all the thoughts is going to go crazy and it's okay. Yeah. It's just like a yeah. process. Part exactly. Of the, process. the brain's like grief. I don't want to feel that shit. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, okay. You said words earlier that we're uh, rewiring socialization. Mm -hmm. So pleasure can be accessible to us. Mm -hmm. mm, yeah. Those are good words. Let's talk about yeah. those words. <laughs> yeah. I think that there is so many ways, regardless of how your personal, you know, socialization happened, right? Some people were brought up in very conservative families or in organizations, churches, school systems, other things that um, might have been more extreme, especially when we're talking about sexuality than others. But regardless of the spectrum that you grew up in or the community or the space that you grew up in, I think that as you know, being socialized as a woman in general, in especially Western civilization and other parts of the world, the way that we're taught about sex is to be desirable. It is for the pleasure of someone else. We're objects of pleasure. It's really, if ever talked about as being for us and beneficial for us, the actual act of it, right? There's usually some sort of benefit, like maybe it's like, getting the guy that you want or securing a relationship or getting your man to do a honey-do list or whatever, right? There's those ways that we're socialized too, but actually that pleasure not only is our birthright, but can energize us and fuel us as mm. women. That's not talked about. Right. And so some of the examples, and that's just about sex, but you think about the way that we are talked about the body right? Or the way the body is looked at, our body image, our beauty standards, all of those sorts of things. We're looking at our body with this constant critical eye of, am I measuring up? Am I good enough? Am I all of these things? And what I like to think about is when we're thinking of the nervous system, you, your brain, your rhetoric that's going on that has been socialized to constantly criticize your shape and if you're sexy and how you look is rejecting you or attacking you or measuring you up or analyzing you constantly if you're good enough. So you are being the, your brain, right? Your thoughts are being the attacker and your body is the one being attacked. And when we're in this attacker, attacky type of relationship, pleasure isn't possible. It really isn't. And when we understand, like, it's like looking evolutionarily speaking, you know, to the nervous system, the fight, flight, freeze, fawn, all of these sorts of things, mm. what happens at the physiological place is blood goes to different areas, like actually speaking, yeah. like you are not going to have blood flow in your vulva ladies. Like your lips are not going to get all puffy and like ready for like sexy time when you're getting chased by a tiger or you're in a fight mm. or you're feeling attacked. 
or you're people pleasing or you're frozen from fear. Like that was not helpful to stop and have some nookie in the middle of these experiences. So we really have to see the way, even if it, we don't think it's us, it's our brain spewing this kind of things that we have been planted. This is dirty. This is wrong. You're a slut. You don't know enough. You should know about your body. You're not pretty enough, skinny enough. Your boobs are too big. They're too bad, (laughs) whatever, all the things, every single one of those isn't just like a nick to your self-concept. It's triggering that nervous system response that actually creates a physiological response that isn't conducive to desire and pleasure. What do you do when you take all that in and you're like, oh, there's so much (laughs) effing up my pleasure. Yeah. I don't even know where to start and I'll just forget about it. Like, yeah, I feel like that's where a lot of my people are coming from. They're like, I feel guilt. I feel shame. I feel like I don't deserve delight and joy and all the things. And now there's the whole socialization piece and like all of it. And they're just like, yeah, too much. I'm just going to surrender to the doom instead of the pleasure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, one, one thing I think it was just to decide that like, do you really want to do that? You know, like, I think it's like just asking a question, like, it's like, that might just be a reactionary response because it's like, oh my gosh, that sounds like so much effort, right? That sounds like so much work. That sounds easier. But when you're really like, do you really want to hang out in the closet of doom for the rest of your life? You're probably like, okay, not really, really. you know? (laughs) So it's like, just understanding this is um, something you actually want right? I do actually want to feel good. I want to feel whole. I want to feel nurtured. I want to feel satisfied. I want to feel joy. Those are things I do want, regardless of if you have thoughts of if I'm not worthy or I'm not deserving, coming back to something like, I want this, like that, that's where we start. And then all the other stuff with the socialization, just understanding we can take this one thing at a time. And it doesn't mean that you have to have all of your brain wired towards ultimate pleasure. There's this varying degree and that's what's so fun. Like if you've experienced pleasure before and you've been socialized this way and it's been pretty good, imagine how much better it can be. And that for me is constantly motivating, not like overwhelming, like, oh, I'm not gonna feel anything good or satisfied unless I work through all this shit. And it's like, no, actually that's not, really the case it's more pleasure is possible to be right now exactly Mm -hmm. where I am and the more I continue to lean into like love and compassion and understanding what's holding me back the more turned on I get Mm -hmm. the more like juicier it gets but it doesn't have to be this overwhelming thing that I have to like all or nothing sort of sort of thoughts yeah yeah I think that's exactly it is like we believe this lie that we have to figure it all out to get pleasure back and it's just one one little thing at a time one subtle shift one little bit or I have to be totally healed yeah I hear that a lot in my community I have to be totally healed I think that is one of the biggest blocks from us being able to 
experience pleasure is that mm. like pleasure is actually possible at any given moment mm. we don't have to be totally healed in order to experience it right now yeah even just that allowance of I can experience pleasure and actually I remember after my abortion I remember one time sex was super scary afterwards mm -hmm. mostly yeah. because I didn't want to get pregnant again I was like okay yeah. I can do this once but I cannot do this twice so right the best way to not get pregnant again is to not have sex <laughs> yeah but I remember one time allowing myself to be in intimacy with my husband again having really good sex and then just bawling mm -hmm. just like bawling afterwards and part of it was probably relief but a lot of it was still grief and it's okay to experience like amazing pleasure and then deep grief like yeah. that's okay yeah. don't yeah. have to be all the way healed and it's just gonna go back and forth for a little while yeah, yeah. and I I like to think of it too is um all of our experiences are multifaceted and multicolored. And I think that a lot of times when we think of pleasure, it's like we wait until everything is optimal. Now mm -hmm. I can experience pleasure where yeah. it's actually, like I said, like pleasure is available at any given moment. In a moment of grief, your body still can experience pleasure. In a moment of, you know, complete like devastation or frustration or anger, or a lot of my story was like physical chronic pain. Mm. And so much of my mind body work had to be like, okay, yes, all of this really hurts. And also this place just feels neutral. And yeah. like, oh, actually that place kind of feels good. You know, and seeing that the body can have many different experiences of sensation at any given moment, it's just which way we're turning our head. Yeah. We can turn our head and understand this is a container for so much. Mm -hmm. And when we give that uh, flexibility for ourselves, like, you know, I hear a lot, I'm too tired, you know, or I'm frustrated yeah, with my yeah, person, yeah. or I hear all these things. And it's like, but pleasure is still possible there. Yeah. It's still available to you. It can still exist. And when we start to see that it doesn't, ha we don't have to wait, you know, for us to feel all this joy to experience pleasure that we can be very tired or we could be really sad mm -hmm. or we could be really irritated even, and we can still come to the body. And when we really do that body work, we can see that there's all these different areas that we can focus our attention on that can offer us exactly what we need in the moment. Yeah. The question just like neon flashing in my head is like, what else can I experience? Yeah. Not like, what do I have to, it's like this adding of more versus I have to get rid of that so that I can experience yeah. this. It's just like, what yes. else can I experience? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the key is like, we're seeking outside. Like you said, like, oh, I have to bring it in and add. We don't have to actually bring anything in. We just have to turn in and open up. Right. Mm. And when we, when we do that, one of my favorite questions to ask my body is like, what's here? What's here? Yeah. Right. Not like, what's already here when you go in and you're like, what's already here. And you really start to train your brain 
to um, marinate in the sensations of the body, you'll find that there's so many different things. There might be pain, there might be tension, there might be, you know, like expansion, there might be, you know, and then pleasure and satisfaction yeah. and enjoyment. Like there's so many different experiences, but just getting used to like, what's here? What's here right now? What's here yeah. in this area of my body uh, really opens up that door. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when I reached out to you, I think I said, can we record an episode called bringing your sexy back? And I, I might still title it that, but it's kind of a silly <laughs> title because it's, it's not like it ever went anywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. That's like the hook, the trick hook, yeah. I guess is like, it was there all along. You just, yeah. it's just about accessing it and being with exactly. it. And, yeah. yeah. Unveiling it. Unveiling it. I love mm-hmm. to think of it that way. It's like this image. I don't know if you ever heard of that big uh, Buddha statue that they discovered like, you know, more in modern times, but like back in the day, it was this huge, I mean, it's like hundred feet tall. It's like outside of this temple. I forget exactly where it is. And this monk was cleaning it one day and it started to like crumble. He was like, oh my goodness, it's crumbling. And he started to try and fix it. And he noticed a little bit of shininess coming through and he picked it away. And there was like this gold underneath. And so he got the other monks and they started like looking back and it was this entire amazing gold statue and when they were being occupied they covered it up with like all this clay (laughs) yeah and they had to cover it up so it wouldn't get stolen because it was this big golden statue and I feel like that's the same thing that happens with us and our I like to call her the turned on woman you know Mm. it's like that wild woman inside this one that is so like in her body and so there and over time we just get plastered on this like clay from below beliefs and seeds planted to us and experiences and all of that and our work is to just continuously chip away and let more of that golden turned on woman shine through yeah I think too like the way we um the way we feel experience it's my dog (laughs) the pleasure is directly related to how much we feel and experience the pain and the struggle Mm -hmm. and the hardship. It's like when it expands on one side, it automatically expands on the other. And so in that case, you know, when you've been through hard things, cancers, abortions, losses, all the things, right? It's, it's really just only opened you up for more pleasure for more. Exactly. Exactly. And I think a lot of people get confused. They're like, I have felt horrible. I felt horrible for a long time. Like, what do you mean? And usually what we're experiencing is the avoidance, (laughs) the discomfort of the avoidance of feeling the thing, right? Whether it's grief or shame or whatever, we experience a lot of that resistance, which is really uncomfortable. We experience like that dirty pain, you know, those outer layers rather than the clean pain. And when we learn how to come into the clean pain, um, you know, those original triggers of what is really going on, whether that be loss or shame or these other sorts of things, then we get to the core of it. And that's where it really opens up to that expansive place you're talking about those two different sides. Yeah. So good. Is there anything you came today hoping to say or share or anything that's come up? I mean, I'm sure we could talk forever, but anything that you feel like 
needs to be said today on this podcast? Yeah, well, I think going back to the self-compassion, you know, I think that really when you're like, where do we even start? You know, there's all these thoughts, there's all these things that we can start to rewire or focus on or do thought work on and really self-compassion in conjunction with connecting with your body in a loving and nurturing way, I would say is the way through any of these things and continuously coming back to that. We feel like self-compassion is like, oh, well, I was compassionate for myself for a couple of days. And it's like, no, 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 no. This is, this is our way of being in the world, you know, and, and it's so multifaceted. So it's really understanding, like I, I'm, it's like a, it's cheesy. (laughs) Some of my clients were like, I know when you started talking about putting your hand on your heart, I was like, I'm never doing that. (laughs) And you might be the same way. Just do it. Like for real, just do it. And from a physiological standpoint, putting your hand on your heart releases, you know, oxytocin, it Mm -hmm. reminds the body of nurturing and those instincts, but, but learning how to have like a physical gesture along with words to yourself, like, oh, of course you're feeling guilty right now. Like, of course that's coming up. Like this moment is hard and that makes Mm. so much sense. And I love you. And we're going to get through this one Mm -hmm. step at a time. And really, I mean, you can hear it in the tone of my voice, but it's really a focus on that like tone and that slowing down and kind of like that syrupy, like balm to your soul and to your body in the way you meet your hardness, in the way you Mm. meet your discomfort because that immediately is going to spread out as like I trust you you know I'm developing this trust with me and my body and this love and that opens us up to so many other opportunities that no matter what like hey baby girl I got you I'm right Mm. here you know and that I I would say is the the most important and juicy thing that you can work on Mm, the way you meet your hardness oh yeah it's so good um I was also just getting a vision of like hand to heart uh, just even if it's like too weird and embarrassing during the day like just put your head on the pillow at night put your hand mm-hmm. on your heart it's like it's time to rest yeah yeah I don't know how we're gonna figure this out but it's time to rest yeah And I used to wear scarves and necklaces all of the time. So I made it look like it was a fiddling thing. There's ways you can work around it. And it's what I work with a lot of my clients, because I think it is important for us to be able to meet ourselves when it feels a lot, like when we're in social situations and the anxiety creeps up, you know, so you can do that. You can rub your hands is another Mm. way you can rub your arms like you're kind of cold, like back and forth, you know, up and down, like on your upper arms, but doing some sort of physical touch to allow it to be a gesture to be like, Hey, I'm here. Yeah. I got you. I see Mm. you're struggling right now and I got you, but like I fiddle with my buttons. I fiddle with my necklace. You know, you can just rub your neck. There's so many different ways that you can kind of mask it, Now I just don't care. Like (laughs) right there, I could care less. People can think whatever they want of me. But I, at the beginning, I was all, you would always see me with lots of necklaces and lots of scarves to allow 
for me to kind of cover up um, this thing that I was doing to really be on my own side. And it's just having me think like sometimes there's those ticks, right? Or, I mean, ticks probably not the right word, but like even you see it in kids, yeah. like there's yeah. like this thing that they do and like that survival wise, that's like part of their self soothing, right? It's like, yes. oh. Yeah. Oh. Or rubbing your face, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. there's so many ways, but it's really yeah. that soothing gesture to be like, I got you. I love yeah. you. I can yeah. see you're having a hard time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. It's Thanks been a pleasure. Me. And um, yeah, let's keep connecting. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds keep connecting. Good. If people want to find you because they want to like, I'm all in on the coaching, but if you want to get your juicy delight pleasure game on go to danielle (laughs) yeah where do they find you uh so on instagram you can find me at danielle.savory my website's daniellesavory.com um i have a group coaching program called better sex in 90 days and this is really what we work you know we work on like amanda said earlier it's like the hook like yeah better sex but it's like really self-compassion and becoming a turned on woman and opening up um and all that information is on the website or through instagram i love it so good oh and my podcast i have a podcast too Uh, (laughs) uh, and that's called it's my pleasure and so we talk a lot about the mind body connection and brain stuff and all the juicy things beautiful it's my pleasure go find it yes thank you all right We'll be in touch and sounds good. Thanks everybody for listening. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.